history tells us when a recession happens, there's opportunities. So if that is the case, which again, this is different than history. Um, but if that's the case, then, you know, yeah, I'd rather have the good deals than the money. You're just not going to be able to quite buy as much. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, on this hump day hustle is Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, anything, uh, anything new uh, these days? Of course, it's kind of a crazy time. So, man, it just like feels like not much. Uh, it feels like like this, the ground. Like, if you watch the movie The Groundhog Day, like with, yes, it's with Bill Murray. Yep. It, it just like feels like repeating. I've told my wife the other day, it feels like we already had the kids at home from school for like two months now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this show, this too shall pass, as they say. Uh, but anything new with you? Uh, nothing too new. I guess I'm getting more Zoom uh, meetings set up with people uh, so I can have virtual meetings uh, and continue to grow my real estate business. Uh, yeah, real important right now. Uh, you know, I, we talk about how it's super important during a, well, really at any time, but um, when there's opportunity, you need to be networking, you need to be growing. Well, it's a little different right now because there's no opportunities to network. Right. And so you have to create your own opportunities and by setting up a zoom or even a phone call, uh, now you're creating that opportunity to network. So I think that's really good that you're doing that. Uh, you still need to make sure you're building relationships somehow. So attending virtual, uh, meetups, if those are taking place, uh, and setting up your own zoom, uh, links and phone calls with, with people who could become, you know, business partners, uh, whatever, just move that needle forward. Uh, really important to do and hard to do right now, a little different, but still important. Mm -hmm. And is there anything new with you uh, this past week? Um, man, just, uh, plugging away. I mean, we're, we're still, you know, moving forward on some deals. Um, we're very, uh, we're still interested in, in, continuing to buy real estate, but we're kind of pushed the brakes uh, quite a bit here. So we want, we want to be very cautious about what we buy, obviously, but if the deal makes sense, uh, then we'll, we'll move forward with it. Um, but, but cautious as well. I think there's an, a pretty good chance for opportunity to be coming. And I maybe said this the last time, I think there's a good chance for opportunity to be coming in six to 12 months. Uh, it, it'll probably take a little while, even if people start, you know, getting foreclosed on or losing their properties and, you know, within the next couple months, uh, it's still going to take a little while before, you know, that really is, is seen on the market. So uh, what I think is going to be the most interesting part is what happens with the, the lenders. Uh, I think there could be kind of a mortgage crisis on the lending side of it and not as much on the consumer side. <clears throat> so we'll see what happens there. Uh, it'd be really interesting to, to see. There might be some ample opportunities to buy distressed notes uh, or notes. Uh, I don't know why I would call them distressed, but you know, just notes uh, might be an ample opportunity to buy that. So 
might create some different opportunities that we haven't really seen in our banking industry and mortgage industry. Yeah. So there's still uh, deals out there right now, but likely there'll be additional deals uh, coming up in the near future. Yep. Yep. And uh, one thing I, I thought is uh, interesting and uh, kind of, you know, it's funny, uh, uh, funny how things change so quickly, right? Because just a few weeks ago, the banks were super aggressive, right? I was getting great term sheets. They were really aggressive. They were wanting to land on everything. And just recently, I've had several banks say, we are putting complete breaks. Like we're not lending on anything, period, right now. U.S. Bank, uh, I shouldn't name the banks probably, but several banks um, in the U.S., <laughs> several banks uh, have said they're, they're done lending right now. And so it's, it's interesting to see how quickly that changes um, with, these, with these lenders. You know, they're super excited. They're ready to give out money. And all of a sudden, they, they don't want even, you know, everything shuts off. They're not going to give any money. So as deals come out there, it's going to be more challenging because the financing will be difficult. Um, as deals get really good, really, really good, the banks are not as aggressive, which is kind of funny because the better, the best deals, the best, the very best deals that you're going to find are going to be the hardest to get financing on. And as the deals get worse and worse and worse, it's easier and easier, easier to get lending on. So as we hit the peak, which I would say now we're probably peaked uh, or beyond peaked, maybe as we hit the peak, it was easy to get financing. The, and it was, the worst deals in the market since the last, you know, peak, but it was the easiest to get. Uh, that works. Uh, it, it's almost backwards of what it should be. <laughs> well, I'd sooner take the great deals uh, than easy financing. Yes. Yes. It's easier to, I, I would agree. I mean, it's it, the, the great deals. So the deals, uh, you know, when you look back, you go, man, I mean, ugh, now financing is not going to be available. I agree. Like you might not be able to buy as many deals, as big of deals as what you would like. Um, and you're going to look back, oh man, I wish I would have had more access to capital. But at the same time, um, it, this is still what's going to propel you forward the most is if you can take advantage of any deals that that come this way. Now, there's still so much to be determined, right? The government's throwing trillions of dollars into this. My guess is there's going to be a second stimulus package if this goes on for very much longer. And I bet it's going to be as big or bigger than the last one. So, you know, it, time will tell. Maybe this does nothing to, to the market and we go back to where we were just as quickly as how we left off. It's hard to say, but we do know that like, history tells us when a recession happens, there's opportunities. So if that is the case, which again, this is different than history. Um, but if that's the case, then, you know, yeah, I'd rather have the good deals than the money. You're just not going to be able to quite buy as much. Yep. And during these lean times, it's especially important to have a reserve, which uh, brings us to our topic today. Uh, you know, having a reserve and how much leverage to utilize uh, for your deals. Yeah, so really talking about reserves um, and then talking about leverage too and, and kind of that happy medium, right? Because we all have to start somewhere. So, you know, typically when we start, we don't have a lot of money. I started with, you know, twenty twenty five thousand $25,000 in my bank account and got started with, 
buying properties. And I didn't have a lot of reserves when I first was starting and I didn't have uh, a lot of, or I had high leverage, I would say. So I did probably start in a different place than what I'm going to suggest today. Uh, but you've got to look at kind of your situation, your risk tolerance. At that time, I didn't have a lot to lose. Uh, I had you know, 25K. It was my wife and I. Um, and later, it was a daughter that came along during the time of probably higher leverage than what I would be comfortable with now. And I had no investors involved uh, for the most part. So, um, so it was just a, a little different deal. But <clears throat> at the same time, Everything I bought, I would buy and I would leverage at a high point, but I would renovate and then I would re-leverage, but as a, at a lower loan to new value, right? And so even, even back then, I was at 75% probably at the highest leveraging point. And then I, when I would, you know, pull out, that money and re-lever tip at that 75%, typically that would still allow me enough in there to give me a reserve fund. So even though I would buy with very little reserves, if nothing, and have high leverage on the purchase price, as I fixed it, now it's worth 120 and I'm all in at 60, then I would you know, leverage based on that 120 at 70, 75%. And then I would put some ex, some of that excess capital into a reserve account and let that sit there. So that's kind of how I did it as I went and how people moving forward, I would suggest doing something similar if you're getting started. It's fine if you've got that risk uh, tolerance available to do something like that. Uh, you know, now if you're dealing with other people's money or you're dealing with uh, you've got family to feed and stuff like that, your risk probably profile should go down a little bit, right? But go through where, you know, where, where I see people should be at. And how much of a reserve account do you recommend? Because, I mean, I see some investors who don't have any reserve account. And right, it's just right. uh, very risky. I think it depends on the asset a little bit too. Um, or family that's different than dealing with a hundred unit apartment complex, right? hundred unit compl apartment complex, the likelihood of it going down to 0% occupancy is pretty slim unless you're doing a horrible job at management, right? A single family house, however, uh, the likelihood of that going down to 0% occupancy is pretty good um, because you, know, you, you have one person move out and there's your hundred percent vacancy. I said occupancy, I'm sorry. Um, so with a single family house, one to four family, even five, six, seven unit, uh, your, your reserve account should be more, uh, not dollars and cents wise, but, but based on more. So for a single family, I was just having at least four months worth of expenses, expenses like principal and interest mortgage payments, taxes and insurance, um, utility bills, even if your tenants pay utilities, if they aren't there, they're not paying the utilities. Now that can be less than if somebody's living there, obviously. Um, and then a small amount for like minor repairs, but if somebody's not living there, you're not going to have much for repairs, right? 
Um, so you should have just still some there, but so it's just four to six months worth of that. Um, <clears throat> now, as we get into like that, that triplex and that fourplex, um, you know, that, that would be more like that four months, that single family should be probably more like that six months. Now, if I'm talking like a bigger property, typically, uh, and again, we got to look at the asset individually um, and its performance and so on. But typically, you know, look, we can probably understand that our NOIs, our NOI being at zero is, you know, takes a lot, right? So our net operating income, meaning our income minus our expenses is equal to zero. Usually we're positive, right? Um, so if I got a hundred unit building and I go, well, geez, I have to have, you know, 40% vacancy rate, 30% vacancy rate to get to zero NOI, that makes me feel pretty good, right? And that means I probably bought it right and I leveraged it right. With that in mind, if I'm at like 30, let's say 30% vacancy rate, um, then having nine months worth of principal and interest mortgage payments is a pretty good bet, right? So nine months worth of principal and interest payments. Now, if it's an interest only loan, I still use in principal and interest as if it were a principal and interest loan. So just because you got interest only for three years doesn't mean that we only base it on the interest, based on principal and interest combined. Um, so I think that is a pretty safe uh, bet for, for larger multifamily. As I said, it's more stable, really, to me, a uh, lot of low risk to go to 0% occupancy. Hey, I want to interrupt uh, real quick and just say, if you're looking for some help, if you are interested in multifamily investing and you want to dig deeper, now's a great time to connect with me and talk about what that would look like, how I can help you get to the next level. And I know there's a lot going on right now. So it's kind of confusing. Should I jump in? Should, what should I do? Well, I can tell you this from experience. Now is the time to learn. And now is the time to really understand how to take that next step because there will be opportunity. The opportunity probably isn't going to happen for a little bit here, but the opportunity is going to be coming or potentially uh, coming, depending, of course, on how things shake out. Now is the time to be learning. So when that does come, in six months, in 12 months, when that comes, you are ready to take action. You're ready to take the next steps and you're ready to actually take advantage of what could come down the pipeline. Uh, so now is a great time. I'd love to help you. I'd love to help you get there uh, if you're looking for that next step. So reach out and go to coachwithdex.com, coachwithdex.com and, uh, and just do a discovery call to see if it's a right fit for you. The other couple things I want to mention, uh, we got the North Star Real Estate Conference. That's been put on hold, but it's still coming. We're going to be doing it in the fall now of 2020, and we'd love to have you there. Love to have you. Love to be able to shake your hand uh, or give you an elbow bump, whatever is the, the in thing at that time. And uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic information. We've got a bunch of great speakers that are still planning on coming. So I'd love to have you at the North Star Real Estate Conference in Minneapolis. You can go on to nreconference.com and you can click uh, and get your tickets with the promo code early bird. Uh, the last thing 
again, I just want to say I really appreciate you listening to this show, and I hope you're getting a lot from it. I would love to hear from you on what you want out of this show. If there's anything that we're doing that we could do better, if there's any way we can serve you in a better way, I'd really love to know that, to be able to take some time and help cater this show better to my audience. So you can... Uh, definitely give us a note, uh, Pillars of Wealth Creation. You can give us a note. Uh, you can um, write us on Facebook. We've got our Pillars of Wealth uh, Facebook page. You can connect with me personally on Facebook. I'm uh, just Todd Dexheimer. Um, so you can, I don't think there's too many of me. Uh, so you can connect with me and just let us know what we can do to help better serve you. If you've got guest suggestions, if you've got uh, questions that you'd like us to ask, uh, our, our hump day hustle. So love to really make sure this show is about you and not just about us, of course. I really appreciate you listening and, and being a, a loyal listener and uh, subscribing and helping us build our audience. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, you never know when uh, you're going to have extra vacancy or extra repairs or a giant epidemic that uh, sweeps the nation. It's just, yep. you know, that's hard to predict. Yep, yep. And, and obviously, the more, the more you can have, the better in reality. I mean, if you can have 12 months worth of reserves sitting there, that's great, you know. Uh, and the bigger your portfolio is, you also have to look at, like, we don't, necessarily need all this money sitting in all these accounts we may have a master account um and that might feed some of these properties as needed so we might have only you know six months worth of reserves in each account but then we've got a master account that would feed some of these because typically recessions aren't um going to hit equally throughout your entire portfolio especially if it's a diverse portfolio um so, uh, you know, as you get bigger, right, we have different kind of, we put like a, another account that's more like an insurance account, right, for that. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, but it's important. It's important to have have reserves. I think that's so important. And I th a lot of people forget that. They don't think about it. Like, oh, I'll get them when I can build them up. But if you bought recently and you didn't have a reserve account and you thought I'll get them I'll, uh, as soon as I can, I'll get them through cash flow, right? And I'll build that up quickly. What happens if something like this happens, this pandemic happens, and that was when you need that reserve account, but you were planning on building it? Well, it's too late now, right? It's too late. So that's when it's uh, that's when it sucks. And so you mentioned that you recommend uh, seventy-five percent uh, leveraging the bank's money. But I see, you know, some investors won't go above 60. And I see other investors that really aim for 100% bank's money for each deal, if possible. Um, I did not recommend 75%, oh, by the way. My apologies. Yeah, no, I said that's where kind of I would typically max out when I was building no. my portfolio. Uh, that was me being kind of aggressive. Uh, and okay. so there's, look, it, it kind of uh, the exact debt the exact LTV is hard to say, right? Because some of it depends on the deal. So some of these people are buying these deals in, let's call it, I don't know, Texas, right? Texas is really hot. It's been hot for a while. So you're 
some people are buying deals. It doesn't matter where it is that they're going, Oh, I, I got 65% LTV. So that's great. Right. But their debt service coverage ratio is 1.25 at 65%. That means the deal was so bad. They bought it for so much money that they had, they could only leverage 60 to 65% just to make the bank allow them to get a loan on it. So that is that deal better than the 80% leverage that's at 1.5 debt service coverage ratio, right? So debt service coverage ratio is probably the more important thing to look at versus the LTV, the loan to value. So basically what I want is what I want my NOI, my net operating income to be 1.25 times higher than the mortgage. That's 1.25 debt service coverage ratio. Okay. That's risky in my opinion. You don't have a lot to cover your mortgage. Once you get into that 1.5 and greater, that's when you start to see the cushion. So that's what I would say when people are looking at what's my loan to value. Instead of loan to value, let's look at debt service coverage ratio. I don't think that's talked about enough, not nearly enough. Um, so I, I like to see 1.5 or greater. And I personally would like to see more like 1.75 or greater. Uh, that's what I try to achieve on all my properties, my local portfolio. I'm probably, you know, blended two and a half or greater. Um, my larger multifamily, um, I'm definitely a little higher leverage on those. I'm probably more like that 1.4 to 1.5 um, yeah, on those. So that's, that's the big number. I like to see, you know, 70% loan to value um, or less. But at the same time, again, uh, every deal's different. So just because you're at 60% doesn't mean it's a good deal. Fair enough. Does that make sense? Did, did, that, did that make sense with the debt service coverage ratio? Did I, um, did you follow me or you think everybody would have followed me there? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, and you know, it's easy to just uh, look online to see the, the calculation for that too. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's, it's your total income. Um, your net operating income, not including your debt service, not including your mortgage. And that you take that and you're trying to be 1.25 times greater than your mortgage principal and interest payment on an annual basis. Yeah. Good. So I think that kind of the moral of the story is, um, you know, look, I, I when, when we're trying to build our portfolio, we, we want to build as quickly as possible. And I think there's a lot of flash too, right? We see all these other people building these portfolios. We don't realize how it happened. Um, or don't take that into account. And we want to get there as quickly as we possibly can. And some people do it with, they, they do that and they try to build as quickly as possible, but they actually sacrifice the quality of the deal. And it doesn't mean they're buying a C-class deal instead of an A-class deal. That means that they're sacrificing the quality of the deal by putting poor financing in place, by having smaller reserves than what they need in place um, by, you know, not doing the right capital improvements that they should do from the beginning. That's a big part of it too. Look, I mean, 
I've got a property and I've done the right capital improvements and a, a recession hits, it's going to be a lot easier for me to withstand that because I, I can cut a lot of that out, the extra repairs and maintenance and stuff, because I've already taken care of the big items. But if I have to take care of big items while the recession's happening, that can bite me hard, right? And so if I can do those things, a recession might hurt. It might take it so I maybe even lose some money or I barely break even, but at least we can withstand it. Where the other way around a recession happens and we built this portfolio that on paper is worth, you know, 500,000 or, or 5 million and all of a sudden recession happens and it's gone. And, and now you're worth nothing or negative, right? Uh, and that happened a lot during the last recession. Uh, I know people, I know several people that had net worths over $50 million. And when the recession hit, their, their net worth became zero. Wow. So. so important not to over leverage yourself and to have enough reserves to carry you through these hard times. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. Good. All right. Anything else you'd like to say about it? That's it, man. That's all. All right. Awesome. Well, Matt, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So, uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So, go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com, and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So, I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free, I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.